Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, please, tonight, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. I want to speak to you tonight on a very solemn subject, which I've entitled, A Cry from Hell. A Cry from Hell. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, and maybe we'll just pray before we come to the Word of God, please. Our Father, we thank you that so many of us tonight have an anchor. And we're very sure that our anchor holds and grips the solid rock. But Father, our heart fears tonight for those that are still outside of Christ and without a Saviour. And Lord, as we come to this very solemn text in your word, where the Lord Jesus really opens the lid on that terrible place called hell, we ask that the Spirit of God would speak to men and women about their spiritual predicament. And, Father, that people would flee from the wrath which is to come. We ask that you'd block out any distraction, that our eyes would be fixed on thee. We ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, commencing to read, please, at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and furred sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and saith Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's keep our Bibles open there tonight. At 4.17 a.m. on the 6th of February this year, as millions of us lay sleeping, a huge earthquake hit the land of southern Turkey. It was so powerful that the tremors were felt in the neighbouring countries around. Just 11 minutes later, the first aftershocks began to be felt around the country. Buildings soon began to collapse. Critical infrastructure was completely wrecked. Carnage ensued. And at the end of it, over 50,000 souls were ushered out into eternity. News began to break throughout the world of such a tragedy. Prime ministers and presidents from around the world, they rushed on to their conference calls to see what they could do, what help was needed. 
But you know the critical question at 4.30 that morning? It wasn't all those other things. It was simply this. Where were those 50,000 people five seconds after they died? I wonder, can I ask you tonight, if you would have died last night, where would your soul be right now? Would it be in heaven with Christ? Would it be in hell tonight forever? You see, there's only two destinations and you have to make a choice tonight before you leave through those doors or you log off tonight where you will be five seconds after you die. And that choice is an eternal choice. You see, this passage that we have read tonight, it brings before us a reality about a place that is sometimes forgotten about in our sophisticated 21st century, even from pulpit. You see, people love to talk about heaven, but few will preach or talk about hell. We avoid it. We try to imagine it away in our minds. In fact, it was John Lennon who wrote, Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. John Lennon might have written those words with some fanciful notion, but tonight John Lennon believes in a real place called hell. You see, you can imagine what you like. It doesn't really matter what you imagine. It's what reality is. And Jesus Christ paints a picture of this reality in Luke 16. And it's a reality that you and I must face. A reality that there's a heaven to gain. But a reality that there's a hell to shun. A reality that your soul personally will spend all of eternity in either one of these two places. You're saying, preacher, I don't believe in a place called hell. You will five seconds after you die. God has brought you providentially to this place tonight. Or online to warn you about this awful place called hell. But also to tell you the greatest news that has ever been written. That Jesus Christ died and rose again. So that you wouldn't have to go to this awful place called hell might surprise you to know that Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than what he ever did about heaven. Old Vance Havner was a southern gospel preacher in the southern states of America. And one night he was preaching about hell and someone came up to him at the door and said, Well, why don't you speak to us about gentle Jesus making mild? We don't need to hear all that hell stuff. Old Havner replied saying, That's interesting. That's exactly where I got my information from. Jesus Christ preached on hell. Jesus Christ said, hell is a real place. Here's how he described it. A place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jesus really lifts the lid off hell here tonight in this text. And I want you to notice several things with me about it tonight. I want you to see, first of all, that there's a reality here that is undeniable. For Jesus brings some realities that you and I must face as individuals tonight. For if we were to look at these two men, Lazarus and the rich man, in those two men there's a picture of all of humanity. And one day you and I will be like one of these two men. Because here's the reality. Reality one. You and I must die. Look at verse 22. It came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. See, Jesus here, he records the lives of two very different men. 
He tells us first of a certain rich man in verse 19, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Here's a man who's very financially well-to-do. He perhaps has a, a big house with fancy gates. He has all that money can buy. The best designer gear, all the regalia. I imagine he had wonderful banquets up there in his lovely house and I'm sure with the money he was able to buy plenty of food and plenty of company to enjoy it with. And the scriptures record that he fared sumptuously every day. Here's a man, he's materially well off, he has everything that he could physically and materially want, yet Jesus simply says of this man, he died. You see, death is a great leveller, isn't it? For the rich die. But not only do the rich die, but Jesus also mentions a man called Lazarus. And he's certainly not rich. He's the opposite. Here's a man and he's a down and out. Jesus tells us in verse 20, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was led at his gate full of swords, designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Here's a man. He's completely the opposite to this rich man. And what a tragic picture Jesus paints of this poor man called Lazarus. In contrast to that man that is living uh, with all his creature comforts in his beautiful house, here's, here's Lazarus. He's just sitting there uh, at the gates. I'm sure that rich man walked past him during his life and he probably turned his nose up at such a man lying at the bottom of his property, making the place look so bad bringing down the tone of the neighbourhood. But here's this man, Lazarus, and he's sitting at the gates. He's full of sores. There's wild dogs running around about him and they're licking his sores. What a tragic picture of humanity Lazarus is. Here's a man and he can't even afford a meal. He's lying at this rich man's gate just hoping that there'll be something left over from the dinner table for him to survive on. You see, he was looking for crumbs. Those crumbs that Jesus refers to in verse 21, they're not the wee crumbs that you and I brush off onto the floor. These were big bits of bread that were used to absorb the, the oils and the liquids that were left over at the meal. And after the meal they were thrown out into the rubbish dump. It wasn't proper food. This is all that Lazarus wants. Just this crumb. And one day too, Jesus records of this man that he dies. I'm not sure many people even knew or really cared that Lazarus had died. I'm sure people didn't notice that he was no longer there. His body, his physical body, probably wasn't buried. It was probably thrown on the rubbish dump of that day that lay down in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which was really the city's rubbish dump. It was a place where there was continual fire. Contrast with that with that the rich man says that he was buried. I'm sure he had a wonderful funeral procession. I'm sure he was uh, buried in the most prestigious part of the graveyard. He had a big tomb with his name on it and a long epitaph written about how great he was. But here's the reality. The rich man died. Poor man Lazarus also died. That's the reality for you and I to face tonight. No matter what predicament we find ourselves in tonight, you and I will also die. We try not to think about it. 
We try to prolong our lives here on earth by pills and all sorts of other things. We try and do all that we can to extend our lives. But the reality is this, that one day we will die. The rich will die. The poor will die. The young will die. The middle-aged will die. The old will die. Here's the statistic. One out of one die. The scriptures record in Hebrews 9 and 27, it's appointed on the man once to die. Wonder tonight do you accept that reality? All you have to do is to go look through funeral times or something and you will see the reality that death is sure. Reality one, but reality two is this, that death is not the end. See that verse that I read in Hebrews 9, it doesn't just end there. Continues, it says, it's appointed on the man that wants to die, but after this, the judgment. See, whenever the last breath leaves my body, that's not just it. We don't die like an animal. You and I have got immortal souls that will live forever in one of two places. And Jesus outlines this fact again in verse 22. For here's this poor man that sat out at the gate of the rich man's house. And look where he is in verse 22. For all of eternity, here's where he is. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Here's a man, he's in paradise, he's in heaven. That terminology of Abraham's bosom, it was a very, it would have made sense to the people that Jesus was speaking to of that day. In the Talmud, it was a figure for heaven. Not only was Lazarus with Abraham, the father of the faith, he was in his bosom. That just means that he was afforded the most privileged position at Father Abraham's feet. You see, here in the New Testament times, if you were at someone's house and you were there for a banquet, Afterwards, you would recline at the table. The most privileged position, the highest place of honour, was at the bosom of the host. Here's a down and out by earthly standards. He's never been to a banquet. But in heaven, he's occupying the most privileged place in paradise. Incidentally, Christian friend, tonight, that's a great comfort to us tonight. Some of us mightn't have two pence to rub together, but you and I are richer than money can buy. You're richer than the billionaire on Wall Street because you've been bought with a price far more than money can buy. You and I tonight are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Heaven is our home for all of eternity. What a lovely thought that we will be with Christ for all of eternity. The one that bought us. At such a price. So Lazarus, he's in paradise for all of eternity. But look in contrast to this rich man. For here's this rich man. He's fared sumptuously all his life while he lived here on the earth. But here's a man and he made no preparation for eternity. Look where he is at the end of verse 22. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. Here he is. And he's in torment. For all of eternity. Why? Because he never prepared to die. He was living his life for self instead of God. He was focused on time instead of eternity. He was building up his bank balance and his financial portfolio. But he never laid up treasure in heaven. Here's a man who thought he was living his life to the full. But now he's ended up in hell. Because he gave absolutely no thought of eternity during his life. 
wonder does that describe you tonight? Materially, you've got all that you need. You have a comfortable life. You're maybe concerned about the business and the family and, uh, and whatever else. And you're preparing for retirement. You've got it all sorted out. But yet tonight, you've never prepared to die. The truth is that you haven't prepared to live unless you've prepared to die. And you know, one of the Old Testament prophets, Amos, he tells you tonight to prepare to meet thy God. You've prepared for everything else, but you've never prepared to meet God. For reality one is you will die. Reality two, death is not the end. There's a reality that is undeniable, but there's also a reality that is unimaginable. For while Lazarus is in paradise... This rich man, he dwells in hell itself for all of eternity. This is a reality that is unimaginable. For this real place called hell, there's no words that are adequate enough to describe its awfulness. My imagination cannot fathom it. Nothing on this earth can compare to it. No living person can ever have any real idea of it. For notice with me that hell is a place of sensation. For in hell, Jesus tells us that this man, he still has all his senses. For look at verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. That tells me that this man is able to see. Verse 24, and he cried and said, here's a man and he's able to speak. The end of verse 24, I am tormented in this flame. That tells me he felt. And then in the middle of verse 24, he recognizes Lazarus. And he cries out for Lazarus, that old beggar that he had looked upon with such disdain throughout his life. He cries out for Lazarus to give him a tiny drop of water. He's thirsty. But he also remembers. See, here's a man and he's in hell and he knows exactly what's happening. He knows the reality of this awful place that he is going to spend all of eternity in. He sees, he speaks, he feels, he remembers. My dear friend, tonight if you die and go to that place called hell, you, you'll never forget anything. Do you know what Felix remembers tonight? 2,000 years on, that day that I trembled under conviction before Paul's preaching, but I never went through for Christ. What about you, King Agrippa, tonight? I remember the day whenever I got up and walked away from Christ and said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Judas, tonight, what's occupying you in hell? Oh, it's that awful day whenever I betrayed the, the lovely Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. My dear friend, tonight, if you die unsaved and go to that terrible place called hell, what will you remember? Will it be a parent's tears for your soul? Will it be that night in Grange Baptist Church whenever you heard the preacher urging you to flee from the wrath to come? Will it be those verses that you were taught in Sunday school telling you that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life? Will it be a loved one's plea for you to be saved? Maybe it'll even be those religious deeds that you're relying on tonight. See, it appears to me that this man... He was religious. For look how Abraham addresses him in verse 25. He calls him son. Son. That's startling to me tonight. Here's a man that's probably rich because of his place within Judaism. He was a good Jew. 
He was among God's chosen people to be a light to the world. In fact, this man might even have been a Pharisee, one of the highest religious people on earth, that he had been put into that position. Yet his ethnic origin, privileged position as it was, it never guaranteed him for, for heaven. Because he never bowed the knee to Christ. Here's a man and he's steeped in old dead orthodox religion. And his dead religion brought him to hell. Maybe tonight you're religious but you've never come to Christ for salvation. Maybe you're a son of the church. You've been christened, you've been confirmed, you don't miss, you give in money, you do good deeds. And that's what you're relying on tonight to eventually get you to heaven. And all those good things are great. But the reality is that you will end up in this place called hell if that's what you're relying on. The Bible tells us that not of works lest any man should boast. You see, there's no sacrament. There's no work. There's no pastor. There's no priest that can get you into heaven. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Or maybe tonight you classify yourself as a son of William. But you're not a son of God. You're maybe as loyal as loyal can be. You're looking forward to the week ahead. But it matters not to God. Incidentally, it doesn't matter who you're a natural son or daughter of. It was Billy Graham years ago who said that God has no grandchildren. That means that he only, <coughs> he only has children. You have to deal with God directly with, by yourself. You can't rely on your granny's faith. You can't rely on your grandfather's faith. It's something that you must deal with. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Ye must be born again. Him personally. Here's a man who's secure in his religiosity. And yet he ends up in hell. Imagine Abraham talking to one of his sons in hell. For in hell there's no classes. There's no religious distinction. None of the distinctions that we have here in this life or in hell. The only distinction in eternity is those that are born again of the Spirit of God and those that are not. Hell is a place of sensation, but hell is also a place of suffering. For while that rich man has all his senses, he describes what his eternal state is. He says he's tormented in this flame. He's in intense pain. The word tormented in the original is used in the present tense. It reminds us that the torments of hell, they never cease. See, 2,000 years have passed. This man's still in torment. There's no relief for it. Every moment of every day, he's in torment. The cults tell us tonight that man simply burns up when he's annihilated. God's word tells us there's no annihilation. Simply torment for all of eternity. Perhaps tonight there's been times that you've stuck your finger in a candle flame and you can only leave it there for milliseconds. What must it be for the body and the soul to be in the flames of hell forever and forever? My dear friend, tonight, don't let that be your destiny. Don't let that be your reality five seconds after you die. To lift up your eyes. And to be in torments for all of eternity. 
And this man, this rich man, he finds out that the agony in hell is so much that he just wants one drop of water to cool his tongue, just to get some mild relief from the flames. But relief never comes. It's a place of intense pain. It's also a place of total darkness. See, in Matthew 22, Jesus speaks about outer darkness, a place that is totally devoid of light. That's what hell is tonight. But notice again, because hell is also a place of separation. We see that down in verse 26. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would from thence. Here's a man, lifts up his eyes in the torments of hell. He sees Abraham and he sees Lazarus in paradise. And he realizes the terrible fact that once in hell he's there forever. There's no exit from this terrible place. It's an eternal destination. I wonder tonight, do you accept the reality of eternity? Have you prepared for the great eternity? Because here's a man and he's separated. Separated from Lazarus and Abraham, yes, but separated from God. In the caverns of hell for all of eternity. I wish I could get that reality of eternity over to you tonight. Eternity is a place where there's no escape. The rich man couldn't get out. Eternity is a place where there's no second chances. Eternity, the place of the soul forever. Tonight you have to decide where your soul is going to spend eternity. It's a decision that you can only make this side of eternity. Abraham told this rich man that those in hell, they can't pass the heaven. Those that are in heaven, they can't pass to hell even if they wanted to. It's one way for all of eternity. Imagine tonight being separated from God. Separated from the God who is rich in mercy and willing to forgive you if you'll only call upon his name. The God of grace that is sufficient to save you for all of eternity. Separated from the God of love. The one that we thought about around the table. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Separated from him for all of eternity. Because you never trusted him in life. My, if only this man had prepar- made preparation for eternity. He wouldn't have ended up in this awful place. If he cried out like that thief on the cross, Lord, remember me. If only he had cried out like the publican, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He'd be in heaven with Lazarus and with Abraham. But now he lifts up his eyes, being in torment, lost, separated for all of eternity. What a tragedy he is. But let me ask you tonight, will you be there? Will you leave it too late? If you're not saved tonight, then let that rich man be a warning for you tonight. Because here is this place called hell. It's a place of sensation. It's a place of suffering. It's a place of separation. And look at the cry from the pits of damnation tonight, not to follow this man there. For look what he says in verse 27 and 28. He says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify Unto them, lest they also come into this place. Look where his concern is. It's with his loved ones that are outside of Christ. Those that are left behind on the earth. Those that still have no thought of God. He's desperate 
that these people won't end up there. What a cry from hell. And this man is still there tonight. And he cries as a warning to you. And this preacher cries as a warning to you tonight to flee from the wrath which is to come. For not only is there a reality that is undeniable, there's a reality that is unimaginable. We have a Redeemer tonight that is unfathomable. For Jesus paints a picture of hell and it's a tragic, horrible picture, isn't it? But whenever the good news is placed in light of the bad news... It shines all the more like a diamond. The good news becomes wonderful news because the reality is tonight that you don't have to go to this awful forgotten place called hell. Did you know that hell was never made for men and women? Jesus told us that in Matthew 25 verse 41. He said, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never meant for you. Tonight the truth of the matter is that you're choosing to go to this place. This place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. You're choosing to go instead of going to heaven, that place that Jesus has gone to prepare. In these closing moments of the meeting, I want to point you to Jesus. I want you to point to point you to the one that is speaking in this text tonight. I want to point you to the one who loved you so much. That he took upon himself your punishment, my punishment, so that we didn't have to go to this place. The most wonderful news tonight that you can ever experience is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Perish like that man in hell. But that you would have everlasting life in paradise where Lazarus is tonight with Christ. You see, tonight we have everything that Abraham spoke of. We have Moses and the prophets, which is essentially the word of God. We have Christ who rose victoriously from the dead. And tonight he's alive and he's willing to save you if you'll only call upon his name for salvation. He's the savior for sinners. He died on the cross. He took the punishment and the wages of our sin. He tasted death for every man. It was as if all the deaths of all the people that ever lived were rolled into one great death and put upon him. He took the hell of humanity. The wrath of God that was my due upon the Lamb was laid. And can you see him tonight? Come to Calvary. There he is, nailed to that cross. He's rejected as the Jewish Messiah. He's being put to death by his own people. He's dying the death of every man. But look at the scene and think about what Christ went through. You see, the Bible says hell is a place of outer darkness. You know what happened that day on Calvary and Good Friday? For three hours, there was a supernatural darkness that covered the whole land. We've seen tonight the rich man thirsting in hell. Do you remember the cry of Jesus on the cross? I thirst. Bible says in hell it's a place of separation. And you hear that cry that none of us can understand, Jesus crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's being separated from God. Because God is laying on him the sins and the iniquities 
of us all. My dear friend, what he endured no tongue can ever tell. To save your soul from death and hell. He is the one who gives us this vision of hell tonight. He gives us so that we would not perish. For he is not willing that any should perish. And he went through our hell. The eternity of hell for men and women were compressed into those three hours and laid upon the Son of God so that you and I wouldn't go there. That isn't love, then the, the ocean is dry. There's no cloud in the sky and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth and hell must be too. But this is what Christ did for you and for me. And he offers you tonight salvation full and free. You say, preacher, tonight, what do I have to do to accept it? Almost sounds too good to be true. What do I have to do not to go to this awful place? I've heard the cry of this man, and I don't want to go there. My dear friend, it's all been done for you. The price has been paid so that you can go free. What you have to do tonight is come as a sinner. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Come to the cross of Christ. Confess tonight that you deserve by your rights to go to this terrible place called hell. But trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Receive that gift by faith through, through grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. And be saved tonight to the glory of God alone. Don't go to this awful place called hell. It's a place that no tongue can describe. But Christ can set you free tonight. And you can go to that place where, the, where Lazarus was. And be saved in paradise for all of eternity. Let's bow in a moment's prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, it does stir our souls because we recognize that we are dealing with the matters of eternity. Grave matters. And Father, we just leave these things in your hands. And we ask that as the preacher's voice goes silent, that the Spirit of God would speak on convicting men and women of their sin. And we pray tonight that in this meeting that you would give deciding grace. We ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen.